0: Hello and welcome to makers.dev episode number 70. We are joined today by guest Tim Leland. Tim is the founder of the link shortener t.ly, which recently launched on Product Hunt and weatherextension.com. Tim, hello and welcome to makers.dev.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to have you.
0: Uh, I'd love to get started with a bland, generic, boring question. Tell me about yourself. (laughs) How did you get into this world of bootstrapping uh, that seems like a very small community that not very, very many people find themselves to of like this this mix of technical like you, you know how to build stuff and you also know how to sell it what what was your way into this world
1: yeah so i guess uh, kind of goes back to you know graduated college computer science degree and then uh you know worked full time for a company working as a developer and then started building uh, websites for like local businesses around town and then that kind of eventually led into building more of apps or you know websites that uh you know once i realized building one website then selling it is a lot more work than building one website and then having multiple people sign up and pay you for it so the more that build once sell multiple times type of thing so mm. that's kind of where i got started and uh as you mentioned the the weather extension was kind of my first uh project that did pretty well and had, uh, has done pretty well over the last, uh, six years or so. Did you find yourself building
0: weather dashboards for multiple clients? How, how did that happen?
1: <laughs> no, I was, it, a lot of the websites were like restaurants and just local businesses. So, uh, like, like a lawn care person that wanted a website and then a few restaurants. Uh, the weather extension actually came out of just my, uh, Need for checking quickly checking the weather, so I'd be sitting mm. at my computer, and you know, yeah, I could pull out my phone or I could go to you know weather.com or something like that. But uh, what I realized is it would be nice if I just click an icon in my browser and it would tell me the temperature, and it also you know updates constantly, so at any point I can see what the current temperature is for the default location. So that's kind of it was actually my own desire, and then also just wanting to learn extensions because I thought they were pretty neat.
0: I've started having a much deeper interest in the weather. I, I started flying ultralight uh, planes. It's called a paramotor. And it is so sensitive to weather. So I've got I've got apps on my phone now that are telling me like hour by hour what the wind speed is and what the gust is. And I'm uh, having to learn a lot more of it. What you did of scratching your own itch, Chris and I just came from a conference where we found out, I think it's something like 86% of uh, bootstrappers started by building something like that that was scratching their own itch. So, uh, yeah, you're in you're in good company um so what when you it sounded like you started in consulting of of making smaller websites for lawn care places and local businesses uh did, did you move from that into a uh, product like you you had a package of uh instead of a bespoke website people could buy it on a, a, a template that you had what what was that transition uh and the, the middle step between the client work and the and the uh, weather extension
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think back that far. Uh, So, you know, the weather extension was kind of the first one that took off and, you know, had quite a bit of users. But before that, I had, it was actually all the way back to a college project. It was going to be like a, a, like a Craigslist, but for, you know, selling your books. And that project I translated into building like a web app that was going to be more of like a Craigslist but for Facebook only so before Facebook marketplace existed I'm trying to think of what year that was I built it was actually called social traders and really creative name there but uh, I built that and the whole idea was you had to log in with your Facebook login hmm. so that was I don't know if it was a unique idea but uh, it was before Facebook marketplace and then you know Craigslist existed and tons of people used it, but you know, you never really knew who you were dealing with. But with the social trader, the idea of, would be you would go and you could see who you were friends with, maybe your friends of friends, and then you would feel, you know, okay, I know this person that knows this person, and then you know, you just feel a little bit more comfortable meeting up with them. Uh, and around that same time, I think there were a lot of stories like Craigslist, you know, kidnappings or whatever. So mm-hmm. that I grew that, and you know actually had, a, you know, for at least, you know, for a small website like that, I had, you know, maybe a hundred people using it. And then, uh, some people actually had sold and bought things on there. So that was kind of neat, but Sweet. then a little bit later, Facebook released Facebook marketplace and I kind of shut it down after that.
0: That makes sense. Two-sided marketplace apps also are just notoriously the, the hardest to do. So that's, uh, went from a, a Chrome extension all the way up to a, a two-sided marketplace. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the Chrome Marketplace. Uh, this uh, A topic Chris and I have been talking about a lot recently is the, the pros and cons of building an app on a marketplace. You have like this built-in uh, marketing engine that has its own little SEO that's much easier to game, and uh, it's a, a place where people are naturally shopping for apps. But then there's this downside of you know chrome tomorrow could build in their own native weather extension or they could just shut you down for no reason you you lose some of that control how how do you think about marketplaces for apps in the chrome store in particular yeah
1: that's a, that's a good question because i think uh, you know i mean i use mac and windows but windows within you know the last couple of days actually released a weather widget in the toolbar so okay. i've had some people say i no longer need the extension because they have that so now that comes with when you click on it, I think you see a bunch of spammy looking news articles. So there's some negative there. But but yeah, that that is very valid. Um, you know, there's a lot of you know risk. If if that was your only you know, source of income, definitely, mm-hmm. you know, you may wanna think about how can I, you know, not be reliant on the Chrome web store because one day I've heard stories of extensions, you know, just awesome being removed from the store no notification or messaging It's just somebody decided and usually they end up getting it back but you know it might be a week or so so that's always a risk um so far i've had you know pretty good success or where none of mine have been removed uh chrome over the last you know six years that i've been building extensions has you know changed a lot of things they're trying to improve uh you know where people trust extensions a little bit more. Back mm. in the day, there were a lot of issues with extensions being taken over, and then uh, people might sell it to somebody, and then they start injecting like malware into it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You've probably heard some of those stories. Um, so, you know, for the most part, I haven't had any major issues, but it's definitely something to consider. Uh, you know, building it in a way that. You know, if somebody could potentially use your app and not rely on the extension store, um, is, that's where the other, the T.ly and then the link shortener extension, they're not really, re- to use T.ly, you don't have to use the extension. So that's one way I've kind of tried to separate myself from being fully reliant on the extension web store.
2: Is your weather extension paid or free or does it have ads or how, how does that work?
1: Yeah. So it's free and you get like most of the features for free and weather apps extensions are definitely a tough one because most people think of weather. They think of, I have a free app on my phone. I go to weather.com and you know, obviously there's like ads and stuff on most weather sites. But, uh, so the, the way that it makes money is, uh, there is an upgrade that gives you like a few extra options like uh, multiple locations, uh, weather alerts, and uh, a few other features that uh, people have asked for over the years. So uh, that's a you know, $9.99 upgrade lifetime deal thing. So uh, you know, qu- people were donating before I even had that plan, so I felt like people would, would pay if I added in you know, the extra features that a lot of people were asking for.
0: But where he makes his real money is by stealing people's information from the browser and reselling <laughs> it on, on the dark web. Um, that's a, that, this is a conversation I've wanted to have for a while. I have a lot of trouble with the idea of a Chrome extension. Because on the one hand, what a fantastic, flexible, uh, you can inject it at any level of the stuff people are doing on the internet. And you do everything on the internet. That's your email, and that's your bank, and that's your uh, Facebook, and everything. So anything you would want to do, if you want to scrape Facebook, you, you can do that. If you want to uh, automate some thing, you can do that. As a as a developer, I love it. And as a user whose privacy concerns, it's terrifying because it seems like all you need is one extension that's like uh, some some extension that has a reason to to have access to every page. Uh, maybe if it was like, ah, it's a weather extension, but also, uh, I, I, whatever the weather is outside, every page you go on, will have that weather going on in the background. Uh, Ooh, how cool is this? Uh, and then as a consequence of that, like you can now change the address that someone is, uh, sending Bitcoin to when they're on coinbase.com, or you can, uh, get access, uh, to their email and, uh, selectively hide the emails that are coming from Coinbase saying that like, ah, this person just... Uh, submitted this transaction how, how what do i want to ask here as a as a user you you make chrome extensions but i'm sure you also have some installed how do you think about the security of making sure that a rogue ex- extension that was sold by a well-meaning developer to some hacker somewhere uh how, how do you protect yourself from that
1: yeah so <laughs> over the years this it's gotten better so uh, one of the, the big things when you install an extension, it will always show you the permissions. So that's an important thing to look at. And back in the day, a lot of extensions would just include, you know, all access to all websites, access to all these APIs that it may or may not even use. So uh, that's, you know, really valid. Definitely when you are installing an extension, uh, it's worth, you know, looking at reviews and uh, if you can look at the source code. So there's an easy way. There's actually an extension that makes it really easy to look at the source code of extensions. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you want to link it, I can send it to you later, but uh, so I'll, if it's a, you know, one that I'm not sure about, I'll look at the source code. Uh, It doesn't really tell you everything, but at least you can kind of see, you know, what are they doing behind the scenes It's also a great way if you're a developer of extensions to look at how, you know, like, I wonder how they're, you know, able to do that. And since it's all HTML, JavaScript, CSS and an extension, then it's pretty easy to inspect and and see. But so I guess to answer the question, uh, be careful when you install, make sure you look at permissions. And then uh, with, so right now, Google Chrome are going through where they're requiring that right now it's manifest version two, they're requiring all extensions by 2023 to move to a manifest version three. So, there's a couple things that could you know to go along with that, but one of the big things is they're really locking down to where you only are using the permissions that you're actually using, but also mm-hmm. if you're requesting access to all URLs to be able to do what you're talking about, like. You know steal credit card numbers and all that type of stuff uh you're gonna have a much stricter review process so uh, you know you, you really in, in my case i've pretty much removed uh, where my extensions really are only using like the bare minimal you know what it needs so like the weather one it uses your geolocation to automatically find your location so that's like one of them and then I'm trying to think if there's anything else, notifications because I do show like, you know, if there's a rain coming or whatever, it'll do a notification. I think that's it. And then the the link shortener extension, I don't think it even asks for any permissions because all it accesses is when you click on it, it takes the current tab URL and creates a short URL from that. Mm -hmm. So, but the, the other part of the Manifest V3 that's interesting is if you are a developer and you're you know wanting to get into extensions come 2023 if a lot of these old extensions that you know people are no longer really maintaining but there's still you know hundreds or thousands of users uh definitely an opportunity to get in there and say you know can i build a better version of whatever uh, and then yeah. when they because knowing google they'll just deactivate you know hundreds of thousands of these uh that's just my guess but yeah, yeah then is you know, it's opportunity to go in there and build, you know, a better version of one. You know, maybe if it's an extension you use and it gets deactivated, and then you say, well, let me go and you know, rebuild that. And obviously, you need to do it in the the new manifest version, which there's some changes that go along with that. But uh, I think they're going the right step. They're trying to make it more secure. Uh, I actually have an old extension that uh, I just got an email recently. It said, you know, you're not using this permission. If you don't update it to remove that permission, we're going to you know deactivate it. So they give you a little bit of time, but uh, in this case, I, you know, I had plans to move it to the new manifest version. Went in there, removed uh, because I think I what I had done is I'd put a permission in there that I thought I would need in the future, and there's a whole story behind that too. But uh, I never you know used it or hadn't used it yet, so I just removed it. And if I do come back and I need uh, the notification permission, let's say, then I'll just, you can prompt the user when they turn on that feature to accept that notification.
0: It's more, that's more granular. I like that.
2: So you don't have to build it in at the beginning. Like if you change, change functionality, you can ask for the permission later.
1: Yes. And that's, so there's a, a back, I don't know when it was maybe 2016, 2017, my weather extension had grown to maybe like a hundred thousand users or something like that. And, uh, I didn't know this I went to add I think it might have been the notification permission because I was gonna start showing in browser notifications for weather alerts and uh, if you don't do the prompt version of requesting it you just add a new permission it automatically disables the extension oh no for all Oof. users oh so no. it was a big whoops and unfortunately you know it's a lot of those users don't always go and re-enable it so you you lose a lot of active users, so that was kind of a lesson learned there the hard way.
0: Yikes! I've definitely had some extensions pop up saying like Chrome automatically disabled this because it it requests new permissions, and then when that pops up, I'm like, well, have I really used this? Uh, I'll go ahead and uninstall it. Uh, this this seems like the safer thing to do. You've got me thinking about this this upcoming Manifest V3. Sounds like it's going to be a, a cleansing of the of the App Store. Um, seems like a fantastic opportunity to either launch similar products because there's going to be a bunch of people Googling like, ah, this thing doesn't work anymore. How do I find a, whatever. Uh, and if you have a landing page, it's like, ah, were you a previous user of X Chrome extension? Use this instead. Or... I imagine if, if you contact the developer of some of these extensions like a month before and reach out and say, hey, I'm, I'm interested in uh, buying some extensions. And just so you know, this thing's coming up and your extension's going to get disabled. Uh, would you be interested in selling that this this would be a fun market event to uh, have more of those sales go through? Have you have you thought about that of being in this space and understanding the Chrome App Store really well, uh, acquiring a, a portfolio of them?
1: Yes. I have thought about it. I've actually, I've written a few, like I've wrote a blog post, I think about it and an article. Uh, I guess my problem is I'm in the middle of updating so many of mine Mm -hmm. that uh, I haven't quite gotten to a point where I'm, you know, going to start looking at, you know, some other opportunities there. But yeah, it wouldn't be a bad idea if you found one, you know, that you can see when it was last updated. I'm kind of giving away all my secrets here, but (laughs) you can go see when it was last updated, see how many users it has, roughly, and then, uh, you know, often there's an email there, contact, just try not seem spammy because, you know, over the years I've gotten, I don't know, maybe a hundred offers to buy the extensions, and a lot of them are the people trying to do the malicious stuff, so yeah, yeah. just come off as legitimate, and uh, yeah, so I think that would be a good idea, Um, and so the, the URL shortener extension that I built kind of came about from what you're talking about. Uh, there was, I, I built a, like a web scraper that scraped the Chrome extension store. And I found like all the most popular extensions and then kind of looked through that list and was thinking, you know, what could be the next one to build? And I saw a Google URL shortener extension that had a million plus users. Wow. And this is a, about the same time that Google had announced that they were actually shutting down the URL shortener, the GOO.GL.
0: Oh, perfect. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I tried to contact that person and never got anything back, so I just built my own. And the way I built it was it used multiple services. So it used the Google one when it was available. It used TinyURL, Bitly, and a few other ones that I found you know, that had uh, APIs that were available. And I built the extension, just left it sitting out there. And that was maybe a year before Google shut down their URL shortener. And, uh, around that same time, once they did shut down that million plus, you know, Google URL shortener that was just made by some random person, uh, that extension just was deactivated or was Mm -hmm. just removed because it no longer worked. So, all of that million plus users went looking for another alternative and mine was there, you know, for, as a good option that worked. And that's something, you know, well, I, I'll keep, I can keep going on it, but that's, that's something that is a way to, you know, find something, uh, that you can go from zero, you know, to 10,000 users pretty quickly. And that's, that's kind of what happened. I went from zero to, you know, 50, 60,000 users. In like a month or something. That's great.
0: Looking wow. at it now, you have uh, the the Chrome Web Store has over three hundred thousand users. So you you recovered like a substantial percentage of the uh, the million plus users that were on the previous one. That's great.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I wish. So that number, you know, it goes from three hundred and it'll jump up to four hundred. I was at four hundred, and it kind of over the weekend the num. It's an active count, so it's really right. Add that three—it's right at you know three hundred ninety-eight thousand right now, but it's it's really you know if I combine all the other browsers, it's over four hundred thousand. So pretty. That's great. Excited about that. Yeah.
0: That's a ridiculously huge number. Can you do? You ever yeah. just think about like, <laughs> there are almost four hundred thousand people out there in the world that on their computers they have software that I wrote that's like helping them to do a thing. <laughs> like that's that's something and to talk about of like. Numbers on the internet are so stupidly big and like difficult to to conception. Like three hundred—that's that, that's a city. That's a city of people <laughs> that are that all have your thing installed. That's so cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would love to see it be a million. That's you know kind of. Oh come on! In, enjoy <laughs> the four
0: hundred thousand. That's, that's so the many. problem,
1: though, right? You you go from w- one number to okay. Now, how am I going to get to the next? So. But yeah, yeah. Once it hit, you know, hundred thousand, that was neat. Two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, and now four hundred thousand. So, you know, I'm kind of looking ahead and seeing how I can continue to grow it.
0: That's cool. Maybe, maybe when you hit a million, you can finally be truly happy.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you said you use the backend or the APIs of other link shorteners. Is that how does a link shortener work? I guess do you have your own setup or does it just use the API and does it go through your domain like? what does a sort of stack look like for that?
1: Yes. So the, in the beginning, before I had my own like service, it just called directly out to these APIs. So like, you know, tiny URL, their API is kind of just open. You, You can build on top of it, at least for now you can. And then I think bitly, I have a way for them to put in their API key. Uh, and you know, they have like, you can do so many for free or whatever, but, um, There were a bunch of other ones that were popular that you know were real good short domains but what would happen is they you know people would be using it and then they'd say hey i emailed out this link and it's no longer working why isn't it working i'm like i don't control the domain i just built the extension Hmm. so what would happen is the domain would go down due to you know i don't know multiple different reasons the certificate expired or the servers were overloaded whatever So at that point, when I had enough people complaining and saw the growth of the extension, I was like, I need to build my own URL shortening service. And that's where the t.ly came from. So that's where, you know, that's the default for the extension. I'm still kind of undecided. You know, all these people installed it to use possibly bit.ly or tinyurl um, or the t.ly. So uh, right now it's open to all, I don't know if that's a great business move on my part, but I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure that out. And um, so far it's worked, you know, I, I'd rather see the million users than, <laughs> uh, you know, people get unhappy type of thing. So
2: Right. So how do you make money on this one then? Do you have like limits, free limits or something and then it's paid?
1: Yeah. So there's... Uh, so t.ly, you can go and create you know a short URL, and then you can use the extension and create short URLs. Uh, there is a limit; it's pretty high though. It's more so for just to prevent uh, like malicious you know people spamming and that type of thing. But um, so to use all the extra features that t.ly offers, which is like the API access, uh, the ability to like do smart links, which are like if you want to put in one link or get one short link that then redirects to multiple different places, depending on like browser and country and a few other things. That's cool. And then custom domains is another big one that, you know, people want to use their own domain. And that's what, you know, T dot L Y allows you to do.
2: That's cool. I'm, I'm getting flashbacks because a long time ago, one of my a job interview question was uh, design a link shortener. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm rethinking about that interview. Uh, yeah, I had to explain why why or why not I would use in-memory like Python objects versus memcache and stuff like that. And I still think about that interview sometimes. Anyway, that's, that's an Yeah, that, that would be
1: interesting if I ever had that kind of question pop up. I'd be like, well, I kind of built one, yeah. but. <laughs> How much time do you have? <laughs> here's, here's all my documentation.
0: I love the business move of the vertical integration of like you were offering this service. What's a good example? Like you know, you're you're Henry Ford and you're you're making the cars, but the the steel you're getting is a subpar quality, and so you'd get take over a steel manufacturing plant. Like it's it's brilliant. Um, and then with that tighter integration, oh, also like Apple doing the M1, uh, and then with that integration, you can you can have a much better service. And uh, because you're so familiar with these customers and you're so familiar with the the support requests of what they need, you you can come out of the gate with the best link shortener for the the use case of the customers that you have that are using it uh really strong move that's that's really good um what's the what's the pitch of why t.ly what what's the marketing position of why someone would choose t.ly over something like uh uh, bitly or tiny url
1: yeah that's tough it's definitely tough to stand out because those have been around for a long time and they're you know so many well bitly especially has so many features uh i guess my pitch is uh, it's a simpler API or simpler URL shortener. So the API is really easy to use. If you're just a developer, you generate an API key, you know, there's documentation uh, with examples uh, and some of the other features like the custom domains, when I originally created it, they've, I think they've since changed it. But at one point to use Bitly to have a custom domain, I think the minimum plan was a thousand dollars a month. Ooh, so whoa. they've since changed that uh, to where it's now more competitive, but that's where I was originally like, let me see if I can just do this, you know, for anybody who wants a URL shortener with their own domain and keep you know the cost low, and you know that's that's what I set out to build. Uh, the other big one would be is if you just want to create a short URL. If you go create one right now on Bitly, I think it comes out to I, I'd have to look, but maybe like eight, nine character long. So it's not really short anymore. Hmm. And partly the reason is the domain is, you know, two characters longer than my domain, t.ly bit.ly. And they have so many short short URLs, there's only so many possible combinations. So all of those are already taken. So with t.ly, you have the option, or the ability to get, you know, maybe URL endings that aren't already taken, and then also much shorter domain or m- much shorter URLs than you can with some of the other services, just because the domain isn't, you know, taken over by ten years of people creating short URLs.
0: What an interesting quirk of link shorteners in particular that like you kind of want a not very popular one because there's more URLs available. Like the more popular a link shortener becomes, the uh, the harder that would be. I wonder if there's a trick around that of like subdomains or something that uh if, if i have a premium account i can have you know g.t.ly or something and uh uh then i can start with just single digit uh shorteners um i'm interested in the features of redirecting based on like geography and stuff uh are, are you familiar with uh nfts
1: a little bit i mean i've looked i am a little skeptical on the nft stuff but i mean so. it, yeah so.
0: <laughs> there's a there's a quirk of nfts where like it the the thing you're selling is just a url pointing to an image uh and there was famously this uh takedown of the the concept of nfts that they're not as decentralized as they claim to be um and the author of this post posted an nft and sold it but he he listed that image uh as something that changed based on where it was coming from so depending on the marketplace where the nft was listed you saw a different image uh i wonder if that would be like if you're looking to expand into a very strange market like being able to to change your nft image uh would be an interesting use case case. yeah yeah uh i don't have anything else interesting to say about that i just thought it was uh, a that's uh where my mind went um i uh in in looking at uh t.ly you've got blog posts that look like they're really high SEO, like the titles of them are things that I would imagine people are Googling. You're going on podcasts, you're launching on Product Hunt. Uh, your marketing playbook seems like it's on point. Uh, where are you getting this from? What's what's the, the full marketing playbook?
1: Uh, just you know, following, I guess, what other people have done. Uh, you know, the, the blog posts are kind of just, you know, attempt to get some SEO traffic slash, you know, possibly help people out. Um, and then, you know, the podcast thing is I listen to tons of podcasts, so, you know, I get a lot of value out of it. And then, you know, I've always, I've had a blog for, I don't know, six plus years, uh, like a personal blog where I share a lot of stuff. And then i pretty active on like indie hackers and uh, those type of sites. So kind of just following that standard playbook of, of launching, just trying to get, you know, get it out there. So a lot of people, you know, create short links, but they just kind of go to the default. So just getting the, you know, the service out there and more people to become aware of it is is kind of my goal.
0: Do you know between all the different marketing things you're doing, what's the most effective? I would imagine it's probably people coming from the, the Chrome app store.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm not the best at tracking. I think I could improve that. Uh, but a lot of people, yeah, they come from the Chrome Store. So if you search URL shortener, you know my t.ly service isn't on the first page, or usually oh. isn't on the first page, but the URL shortener extension is. And I don't really have an answer to that other than it's on Google's domain for yeah, the Chrome I mean. Web Store. Um, but and also it's you know popular with the amount of traffic it gets. So that then leads to people finding about tly so
0: how do you think about search optimization within the chrome app store uh there, there have been chris and i were just talking about this with the the slack app store that like it seems like the current way to game the slack app store is just to have the title of your app have like a million different descriptor words in it uh is there something similar for the chrome app store or are, there, are there other tricks of ranking better in uh product marketplaces
1: uh yeah so i thought a lot about that. The search feature in the Chrome web store doesn't always seem to be too great. Like you could search something and then, you know, it's not always the best, but I I don't know. Do people find, how do you normally find extensions? Do you search it in Google or do you go to the web store and then search? I think most people search it in Google or they see it in an article, that type of thing. Uh, I think but, I,
0: I think I do a Google search for like the thing I'm looking for Chrome extension. Yep. Yeah and then usually that takes me to the chrome app store but i guess sometimes it doesn't chris how, how do you find chrome
2: extensions I, I only we talked about this a while ago but because of the security issue i have 3 extensions installed and i never look for new ones <laughs> so i have an ad blocker chris is
0: not in your customer target no basis. i'm not
2: a video speed up thing and one password and that's it i've got like 40 it's
0: it's a problem <laughs> it's the the tip you uh offered earlier like ah, oh, just like look at the source code of each one that would take me years <laughs> like i am not about to do a code audit on it on 40 extensions uh <laughs> i'm gonna get my identity stolen and <laughs> someone's gonna link back to this episode like you knew this was coming right and yes yes i did um <laughs> cool are there uh have you noticed anything of like um uh, if you if you change up like the video that you have or like the screenshots or the or the description or, do any of those matter or do do you notice any sort of an uptick in installs by changing those or is it so fuzzy that like you're just trying to improve it and the numbers are generally going up
1: so for the URL shortener you know its name is URL shortener so when mm. you google that that's why i think it pops up so high versus like some of the other ones it's the you know, brand and then URL shortener. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, so you can put, you know, in your description a lot of keywords and I've played around with that to see, you know, if I could improve it. Um, some of it's, you know, it doesn't seem to help. And like I said, it depends on if, if people are coming from Google searches or the Chrome Web Store search. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, and also you go look at some of the top extensions and see, okay, are they doing a video? because you have the option to do video and or screenshots. Mm -hmm. So some people do videos, some don't, um, you know, it depends, I guess on the product, but definitely like, and I'm not the best at it, but the screenshots I think are important and, you know, giving a good description and then the reviews are really tough. There's a whole story on reviews. So, uh, know there's not really an easy way to ask people for reviews and usually people only leave reviews when it's like they have a problem they just are mad whatever unfortunately so uh so having good reviews trying to get your users to go give you a review is important and the story behind that is the weather extension was had a whole lot more users and at some point uh you know i don't know if it was another extension or somebody was mad They somehow spammed the extension, so it went from, you know, five-star review, whatever, to, like, one-star because it got, yeah. And this is back, you know, 2018-ish, and they did not have, like, a great way, I guess, to prevent it. So it went from having good reviews to bad reviews, and then, you know, I tried to contact Google and be like, okay, how did I get, like, you know, 5,000 one-star reviews when I didn't even have you know, a hundred reviews before this. And, you know, they, they were like, yeah, there was some spammers and we removed them, but some of them, I guess they deemed legitimate. So they kept those. It was, And that's, so I've been trying to get users to leave reviews to help with that. So if you do look at the weather extension, you want to leave a review, that'd be great. But also <laughs> I think it's like maybe close to three or maybe four stars. So it's been a you know struggle to try to and th- their response was you could just create a new extension and start over. There's no oh, way to no. remove them. Yeah, That's the it's kind of stuff I'm talking about
0: of it being really difficult to be in a, in a store. Like, that's just totally outside your control. There's nothing you can do. Also, who's getting that mad at a weather extension? What's, what wrong could you have possibly done to that? Like, were they planning a birthday party and it got rained <laughs> on and you said it would be sunny and they're just furious? That's what a What sort of person would do that?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it, my only thought would be, it would be another competitor. There were a few weather extensions out there that, uh, they like gave you the weather, but also took over your search engine. So it was kind of that shady, you know, they were getting extra ad revenue or something from searches. And when you hmm. would search, you think you are in Google, but you're search- So that's my best guess is they were upset that I had taken over their spot that's that's just a guess though
0: ah uh, man what scumbags that sucks
1: <laughs> yeah it it bothered me for a while and that's you know i kind of moved on from it so good
0: i'm not over it i'll, I'll hold that <laughs> anger for you um cool that's <laughs> i guess on the topic i'm curious with your knowledge of chrome extensions if you decided if you if you if you had some sort of a tragic story where you you lost your faith in humanity and you're oh it's it's dark Tim Leland in an alternate universe <laughs> and he's gonna be as malicious as possible, what's your strategy? How do you how do you have a the most malicious possible Chrome app? What's your what are you gonna do?
1: Hmm, uh I mean I think it depends on if the extension, you know, had access to all your URLs and your browsing—you know—you could do, you know, quite a bit of stuff. You could, like you said, oh, what would you do? I, I mean, I wouldn't do any of it. I'll just say that <laughs> hypothetically, theoretically, I, this this is I the sunbot we're going to take out. By the way, of like, take it out. Of Tim Leland is a
0: terrible person who wants to take over your your Chrome account. Um, my the the one that I was really proud of was like I haven't seen anyone do an attack yet where they're replacing your copied. uh uh, crypto address so i would target like in coinbase.com i would see only when you're on coinbase and only some of the time when you paste in an address switch it really quick but have a have a whole database of addresses where like the the first few digits and the last few digits are the same so put some effort into like mining ones that are that are roughly the same uh and then you send the crypto and you do your whole confirmation thing uh but then haha i got them from you uh and i'll just see how long you've I can thought about away this a that. lot
2: haven't you <laughs> <laughs> yes i
0: have <laughs>
2: i was gonna say i was just gonna add that uh john oliver just did a piece this weekend about uh data and like how it's mined by cookies and stuff like that and yeah so uh, i think the play is just collect all the data because they seem to be making a killing on that the data brokers
0: interesting where do you sell can you just sell data i was joking before about selling it on the on the dark web
2: can you oh no so there there is it's it's completely legal you don't have to do it on the dark web you can sell oh. it to data brokers and then the data brokers sell it to people like oh. so the examples they gave were a lot of so like politicians want it you know so they know like how their constituents like spend money and everything so they can yeah, yeah. you know get really how often and they're and, checking the weather exactly and then they had like a, yeah yeah um and then they had like stores. So, like, stores want to know, like, like for example, uh, as soon as a couple gets pregnant, they want to spam them with, you know, all sorts of baby yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah.
1: That's definitely true. I've, well, when my wife was pregnant, she, you know, would get, we'd get mail for it. So yeah. they, they knew based on, I guess, searches and things like that. But no, you, you made me think of the whole crypto thing. Uh, I don't think this is possible anymore, but if you remember back to like, was it CoinHive or? Uh, It was one of those JavaScript mining, uh, are you familiar with that? So there was a time where extensions, you know, they'd say, hey, just drop this JavaScript file. Websites would also do it, but what it would do is it would use your computer, you'd load the website and it would mine some whatever coin in the background. So -hmm. that was something that, you know, Chrome had to real quickly say no mining Bitcoin in the extensions of the users because mm. people were doing that to make money. Um, and they, they do have quite a bit of stuff on like, you know, trying to prevent people from injecting ads um, and that type of stuff. But yeah, that's I think it's hard to make money off of an extension. What you can do though is build like a service on top of it. So like you said LastPass or password or so many of these other ones have built services that really just the extension kind of enhances the browsing experience. So mm-hmm. I'm not having to copy my password from the one password app that's doing it for me. Uh, and for, and people are willing to pay for that versus, you know, if it was just an extension, they kind of expect that to be for free. So that's something to you know, think about if you're building one and that's where the TDI is a little bit better because it's a separate service that, you know, people pay for, and then the extension just makes it easier to use.
0: That's a good sense. way to mitigate the downsides. I like that. If you, if your service encompasses several, if, if, if your service is not merely its presence on the uh, Chrome store. So like weather extension seems like it lives entirely in the Chrome store. If, if Chrome decided to shut you down, you're done. Versus yep. T.L.Y., that's a separate service. Yes, that would be a blow because that's, it sounds like one of your biggest uh, marketing channels of people searching it through the, the Chrome app store, but that, that exists separately. And you can be on the Chrome app store and you can have a, uh, a, a Safari uh, add-on and a Firefox add-on and uh, I was going to say a mobile app but I guess that doesn't totally well no I could see that making sense if you had like a native app that uh, hooked into the the share feature you know how you can like uh, share mm-hmm. snippet of text and then that would automatically go and, and shorten uh, so the more I, I think that's what I'm taking from this like the the more the more app store games you can be playing but treating them as just their own marketing channel not not totally depending on them I think that's what I'm getting that that's how you win this game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Try to make it to where, you know, you're. that's a way to get users and obviously, you know, people find value from it, but if, if it went away from the, yeah. So if weather extension, if Chrome shut it down, it would be gone. You know, there wouldn't really be a way to use it uh, besides maybe like installing it manually or something like that. So.
0: Which no one's gonna do. If yeah. someone could do that, nice. they're, they're gonna build their own link shortener. Yeah, yeah. Um, I uh, I'd love to go back to um, the uh, talking about how you might build a link shortener. Uh, as much as you're comfortable sharing, I'm I'm kind of <laughs> curious how you built this. Is it, I'm I'm getting really into serverless functions right now. Uh, if I was gonna build a link shortener, I think that's what I would reach for. Because my gosh, for for four hundred thousand users. Uh, I don't know what your server data looks like, but I imagine there are spikes, and uh, if it goes down, that would be a big problem for usability. Um, how did you architect this at an infrastructure level? Yeah,
1: it's probably not as fancy as you would think, but um, yeah, so I, you know, try to keep things simple, and you know, maybe eventually I'll move it to more of the, the serverless type of thing. But so a lot of it's built using Laravel, which is you know, PHP frameworks. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Uh, but, and then, you know, MySQL database and, you know, the way to keep it aware, you know, keep costs low and scale and stay up and all that stuff is, you know, a lot of background workers. So a lot of the, uh, job, there's a lot of jobs. And then, um, for, you know, redirects, the main thing is like caching it. So, if one URL is hit, you know, whole bunch, then you know, if, if you cache it and, you know, that, that helps a lot with the scale, I guess. So mm. that's kind of, so far that's worked for me. That's in those
0: two hardest problems of computer science, right? Naming things, cache and validation and off by one errors.
1: Yep. Yes. Do you use
2: like a CDN for caching or do you just do it in memory?
1: I'm, I'm using uh, like Redis and it's okay, just yeah. another, you know, server. Um, and yeah so far it's worked well and you know i've had to scale the, the database as the number of links grows and the you know analytics stuff that that's has grown but um you yeah, know so far but so laravel has an offer of where you can run it serverless so one day that may be you know where i move it to just kind of scale endlessly and mm. um but so far i don't you know, I've added additional servers and things like that, but um, you know, haven't had any major issues. So,
0: no nightmare scenarios of like your phone goes off at two in the morning and the whole thing's down and you gotta you gotta get it back up. <laughs> that happened to me at MicroConf, My database went down. <laughs> I spent the whole morning like getting it back up. It was terrible. Uh,
1: the only nightmare would be just kind of not knowing enough about the whole URL shortener shortening, you know, ecosystem stuff. So uh, when I launched a service, put it out there, uh, you know, everything was going great, and then you know one day, you know the service went down, and I didn't know why. And I got an email from my hosting company that my server had been turned off, and it was hosting malicious content. So oh. that was like, uh, okay, I got to figure out figure this out. So you know, I let them know it's a URL shortener and they're like, okay, so just you know, take care of this. You know, you have to block this URL or whatever. And then, um, from then on, I had to build like, you know, probably six months worth of, you know, automated background checks, checking to see, you know, is this URL safe? Um, and it, you know, there's a whole lot that goes on with that. So you building, so whenever you think of like the whole, you know, if you were interviewed, how do you build a URL shortener building it is not really the hard part it's the other side of keeping it running and keeping, you know, make sure you're not blocking good links. Um, so there's a lot that kind of went into figuring out all that side of things. So that that's something I didn't really know about until I started working on this project. That seems like an impossible problem.
0: How do you filter for links that are malicious? There's no, like, you can't do document dot is malicious. What, how do you, how do you do that?
1: That's, uh, you know, so some of it's probably pretty common. So there's like lists out there of like these are malicious domains. So you know you could go off okay is so the URL and then also the domain and then you know pulling in those and doing checks on it. And there's some other services out there that allow you to you know say okay give me a rating for this URL and then it you know returns back. But it's a it's not a one. I, or I haven't been able to find one solution that kind of just handles it because there's still some that get through and then you have, you know, uh, a lot of times they'll just email and it'll say, Hey, this URL's malicious and it's redirecting here and, you know, building like automated stuff to pull that in so that you're not, you know, having to automatically, you know, or having to manually review all of them. And, and as it grows, that, that definitely becomes a worse, a bigger problem.
2: Hmm, interesting. How I'm also in that same vein, sort of like you have 400,000 active users, presumably only portion of them are paying. How is support for that? Like, that's really freemium. Like you have a ton of free users. Um, yeah. How do you handle support for that many people?
1: So for, as far as the extension goes, as long as, you know, I've had people request new features or add, you know, add different things. So that, you know, is just when i get time to work on it i'll add something new and put out a new release um, and then for the the T.Y. service it is pretty you know much runs itself for the most part you know i have some people who will email and you know ask questions but it kind of amazes me people just figure it out and you know they go through and they say you know, it is i guess it's common enough you're creating a short url they've done it you know you put in your long url click shorten and then you know i lot of the you know features that's back to keeping it simple so that I'm not having to do a ton of support and have like a whole knowledge base or anything like that. Um I try to keep the feature set limited and keep it simple so people kinda figure it out as they go and that's worked pretty well. I don't really get too many support emails. That's so,
0: cool. Awesome. Yeah. I'm envious of that. I should have <laughs> built a link shortener.
1: What was I thinking? <laughs>
0: Um, looking forward, what's the next few steps you've got? It sounds like a really good marketing channel with the Chrome App Store. That's a, a game that you're familiar with that uh, surprises like the Manifest version three you're, you're ready for. Um, your, your blog posts are, uh, uh, it seems like you're following a playbook that that uh, is doing well or, or is going to do well with uh, SEO like from Google. Uh, of course, you're on your way to a million active installs on the on the Chrome App Store. Uh, what else? What what's next? What are you thinking about for the future?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I just want to keep growing it, and obviously, you know, thinking about what what kind of features are people willing to pay for, and you know, adding those, and then, um, you know, what what else can you, you know. To, to help people who are wanting to shorten URLs. So I, I did start working on a feature and I, it's like, you know, maybe 10% of what it could be, but it was, I called it one links, which are like a link in bio type of thing. So, um, if you're familiar with those, I think like link tree. So I built yeah. that feature. So i thought, you know, if I keep working on that, that people would be interested in, you know, signing up for the service and then adding their own domain and using it, um, right now it's real basic. It's pretty much you could just, you get one link and then you can add in multiple links, adding your social media, but I don't have like theming. So that's kind of something I want to see about adding more features to that. Um, yeah, maybe some more analytics stuff people have asked for. Uh, and then on, I think at some point I, I may look at, you know, getting a better design on like the homepage and start thinking more about marketing. Um, and you know maybe more blog posts more content so to you know continue to grow it
0: classic developer wanted <laughs> to, to think more about marketing and the, the theming that you mentioned Chris and I just did theming like in, independently I think on like the same week we both made theming for uh, each of our apps for uh huge development of stuff we were going to do I'm curious about who your current paying customers are who who is the person who is paying for premium link shortening are these businesses are these uh are are most of your paying users coming from people who are using this link tree building feature why why are people giving you money
1: uh that's something i probably need to do a better job at at, uh talking to the you know to talk to the customers i think that's a kind of a common problem um but i've seen you know teachers to businesses um you know, teachers use it a lot, I guess, for creating short links. I guess it depends on the free users. You know, the free users are probably a wide variety of people. Anybody who's just needing to create one off short links. And then I do have businesses using it and they'll, you know, use it for like, uh, you know, the print print material, the QR code stuff. So I, I, I do have a, uh, it's, it's a little more than in a basic QR code builder kind of built into the site uh to where you can like add an image and customize colors and things like that so you know people who are doing qr code stuff um but yeah really i mean marketers are probably the biggest one just people who are sending Mm -hmm. out links the the api was kind of built um because uh at my previous company we had to build a uh something to send sms and include links so that was kind of where you know i thought okay well a lot of people which people are using it for that so they'll use the api and create you know short urls because with sms you have a limited you know number of characters so that's like a big use case
0: if you had to double mrr in
1: three months what would you do what would you focus on that's a tough tough one uh if i knew that i would do it <laughs> <laughs> Um, you say that, but I feel like Chris and I have known what we
0: needed to do to do that. We we haven't
2: done it. <laughs> I often know the right answer and ignore it anyway. Yeah, yeah.
1: Probably more marketing, you know, because it's like, a, fortunately, it's good and bad. URL shortener, depending on you know, you could go look at some of the other ones, and they have some you know, really advanced features that I don't even know what they really do. But for you know, for most people, if they're just creating short links, it's just you know, giving them that ability and then helping them out with like the custom domain stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think maybe just, if I were to spend most of the time, it'd probably be marketing to kind of get the word out. That, that would probably be where I'd focus, which I think for most developers, that's kind of the, the biggest challenge. I think if every developer trying to build something, if they could also partner with somebody who's really good at marketing. Um, if you, th- are you aware of like Justin Jackson? yeah yeah yep. and um him building transistor you know he's really good at marketing and then he paired with the developer and they had a successful you know podcasting hosting company so yep. that's where I, I would probably put all my focus on marketing
0: yeah that's the dream we all got to find our own justin jackson uh yep. you're doing marketing right now talking on a on a podcast uh that's pretty good and you uh are in the the chrome app store playing that game that that sounds good and uh you've got your blog posts for people finding you. What what else might you focus on for marketing? Are you doing any sort of paid ads? Uh, is, is there another channel of, I don't know where people would go to look for a, a link shortener, or like where the businesses would go that are are paying for this sort of thing. Uh, what what sorts of marketing things would you do to increase MRR?
1: Yeah, so I don't know how, I guess people have in their mind, you know, if they're like, I need a URL shortener. Um, I think if I could, figure out you know a set of companies and developers that are needing to shorten urls and when they say hey we could just build this ourselves or we could use this api you know maybe it'd be creating you know right now you can use the api but i don't have like sdks for all languages that might be something i could focus on Mm -hmm. um and then you, you mentioned paid ads so recently i've been uh feeling like i'm just wasting money but learning about like Google search ads. Um, I actually played around with like Facebook ads and Twitter ads. Uh, They're all, there's so much there and it's definitely easy to like, you know, spend a lot of money and not see a lot of results. So I don't know if you have any experience with that, but so right now I'm running, you know, campaigns and trying to see, you know, if I can convert people from, you know, that are searching. Cause that's where I thought, okay, where are people looking? They're probably not looking on Facebook for a URL shortener to pay Mm -hmm. maybe Twitter and then I was like, they're probably searching Google, so that's where I, that's why I went with the paid search ads, and you know, trying to f- figure out the best way to target people, uh, you know, who are searching for those keywords.
0: You asked if we had experience. I do have experience losing money on paid ads that's uh i, I also have,
1: have experience losing money on paid
0: ads <laughs> it's a game though that i've seen people just kill at like i know it works if you can unlock it there's a like moitza Zove has a, a whole consultancy based on facebook ads uh if, if you can if you can unlock it's tweak the right things and and have a tight enough funnel like that that can kill uh jordan gall had a talk at microconf i think two or three years ago about how he bought something like $5,000 in Facebook ads and turned that into something like uh, half a million in increased ARR. Uh, I know it works, and it, uh, it feels very frustrating that like I haven't quite cracked. Like, Ooh, this these are the things I need to type into Google AdWords that uh, turns this into a machine where I can uh, put money in and, and get more money out. Um, the, the Chrome App Store does not have paid ads. Is that right?
1: Not that I know of. I mean, you could advertise your extension on like Google's search, but no, they don't have a way, I guess like maybe to how to promote it within the extension store. I think they could definitely do that and people would be willing to, to pay because, um, you know, there's a lot of extensions out there that are willing to probably pay to be featured. Uh, right now it's like a hand-picked thing. Mm. It's, it also seems like who, you know, type of thing. If you know somebody, that's, um, I was fortunate my weather extension was like picked as like an editor's choice for Firefox or, you know, for their Mozilla store. Um, That's cool. Yeah. But I haven't, I don't know if I've ever been like picked as like a Chrome top one, but I know that, you know, if you can go look and see, they're kind of featured. I don't know how much that helps though.
0: That's really interesting. Is that, that might mean that like an effective marketing tactic is figuring out who, the intern is at Google who's picking those, those choices and like just sending them stuff, and like buying them lunch and sending them cakes and, uh, get to get to know whoever the people are who are making those decisions. That's interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you figure it out, that would be could it could help you out. I don't know.
0: This is a, a problem that, uh, Chris is about to start digging into on the Slack app store. So I feel like a lot of these things are directly analogous that, uh, marketplaces in general sort of operate under the same sort of rules so uh, if if there's a tactic of like ah you just got to get featured and to get featured you gotta schmooze the person who picks who the featured people are uh that that seems like a playbook that could be copied for every uh marketplace that there is
1: yeah i think doesn't apple allow you to pay in the app store uh to be promoted or
2: Recently, I think, yeah. I think so, yeah. And Shopify does as well.
1: I could see Chrome. I mean, they have, you know, if you go look at their ads, I mean, that's how they make most of their money, but I could see them or Google adding, you know, eventually. The, the Chrome Web Store, if you look at it, I don't know if it's really been updated very much in 10 years or so. It's pretty much been the same. So I think if they could, you know, eventually they may come back and say, all right, let's revamp this thing and then make mm-hmm. it to where you can, Promote your extension. Um, mm. I think they could make money doing it too. So,
0: in the meantime, I feel like it's advantageous to uh, incumbents to have 400,000 installs that, like, w- with a really good name that it is the name people are searching for. um I feel like you're you're playing that game really well. For it sounds like for for as much as you can be marketing on the Chrome App Store, you're doing it. You've got the screenshots, you've got a really good name, you've got the installs, so you're going to pop up at the top of that list. Um, so that's a a healthy channel. It sounds like, uh, neat. I, what a, what a cool business. I think this is, this is my new example mentally of like a simple, technically, uh, business, uh, that, that lets you focus on what the marketing thing is. Like bingo card creator was just fascinating to me. Cause I was like, Oh my God, you can make money from <laughs> generating bingo <laughs> cards. Let's you get take a list of words. You shuffle them around. You put them in a grid done. <laughs> and he's making how much money from that? Amazing. Um, in, in the same sort of vein, like, uh, link shortener is, a, a crowded ish marketplace. There, there are known people that do this and yet there are still businesses and, and, uh, people who are able to like find their own niche of, if you just have a, a unique marketing channel of like, I get customers from the Chrome app store, uh, it can be a totally viable business. Uh, even though uh, you know, technically it, it may not do anything differently than Tiny Real does. Although you have the, the uh tree pages, which is interesting. Um but it's it's really cool to me that like the differentiation in software businesses doesn't need to be that you made some crazy technical innovation with <laughs> there's just shorter links. Although you do, I guess you have you have links that are like two characters shorter. Uh I, I think the message I'm getting is it's it's much more about the marketing and like how are people finding you and uh how, how can you help people as quickly as possible with uh when they're looking for this with a, a limited attention span.
1: yeah i think you know especially if you're not looking for like funding and you're not and you know kind of the direction i'm trying to go is you build if you're creating a brand new market you have to educate people and you know people don't necessarily know they need it and all that stuff so in this case people already kind of understood what you know what it did and it's pretty self-explanatory. So that's definitely, you know, usually the the products or ideas I usually go after are uh, more on the simple, you know, there's already uh, people doing it and making money off of it. And then how can I just make it better, make it a little different, and then trying to figure out how to, to market it.
0: Love it. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for your time. Where can people find out more about you? And more importantly, where can they go to get shorter links if they have very long URLs
1: <laughs> yeah I guess to find more about me um, my blog is timleeland.com and I post you know tech related stuff and then quite a bit about extensions and then uh, you know also I'm pretty active on Twitter I don't have a great Twitter handle but it's tim underscore Leland um, and then obviously the, the t.ly domain is another place to go to you need to create short urls and you know feel free to reach out if you have any questions
0: sounds good we will link to all those in the show notes uh i don't have a good sign off for when we have three people usually <laughs> i say see you next week but we're not gonna see you next week uh goodbye
2: thank you <laughs> it was great talking to you
1: yeah it, this was great i enjoyed it uh, y'all had a lot of good insight